Franz Liszt emerges from the wings of the Berlin Concert Hall like an apparition. He doesn't so much walk on stage as he floats. The mere sight of him is enough to send the packed crowd of teenage girls into a stupor. Tonight, however, there will be no hip shaking. No, I want to hold your hand. No choreographed dance numbers with over-the-ear microphones. Just a whole lot of this. And for 13-year-old Ingrid, it was all she could ever ask for. In 1840s Berlin, it was a dream come true. A chance to see her favorite classical music artist in the flesh. Because before there was Justin Bieber, or One Direction, or even Beatlemania, there was Franz Liszt. The world's first pop star. At school, it was all Ingrid and her friends could talk about. They collected his sheet music and traded pocket-sized portraits of his beautiful Hungarian face. They listened to his sonatas and discussed what their dowry to him would be when they married him someday. They even called themselves Das Uberlists. Ingrid's father, on the other hand, didn't get it. Maybe it was a generational thing. He thought Liszt was too much of a showman. In concert, Liszt would sway hypnotically over the piano and toss back his shoulder-length locks of hair. He sent chills up the spines of every member of the audience. He caused such a stir that safety became an issue. Liszt's recitals could be downright wild. Women tore at each other to get their hands on his handkerchiefs or gloves. Whenever he broke a piano string, there was a mad dash to grab it. One lucky fan would turn it into a bracelet that never left their wrist. This never happened at a Beethoven concerto, Ingrid's father announced. Then again, Ingrid's father's parents didn't really understand his love of Beethoven either. They were Bach people. And alas, he loved Ingrid and would do anything to make her happy. So, he shelled out the extra silver dollars to get Ingrid and her friends into their recital. And there they stood, under Liszt's spell. It was the greatest night of their young lives. Liszt whipped the crowd into a frenzy. And women clawed their way to the front, screaming his name. Several even fainted. One tossed her laced corset in his direction. Ingrid was enraptured. And then it was over just as soon as it began. Franz Liszt had left the building. But so had Ingrid. Slipping away undetected, she followed Liszt into an alleyway outside the venue. She watched as he lit a cigar and inhaled the smoke into his lungs. Time stood still as she gazed on from the shadows. He finished his cigar, tossed it lazily into the alley, and returned inside. Instinctively, Ingrid made a beeline for the discarded souvenir. It was still wet from the performer's lips. She tucked it into her pocket and headed gleefully back into the concert hall. For a diehard List fan, this moment was pure bliss. And well, if you're like me, you've never quite been compelled to pocket a pop star's used stogie. So I suggest that you grab some Purell and put away our perceived notions about what today's youth are doing, because today on this episode, we're talking about unique collectibles. And for the modern day fan, that means NFTs. NFTs. 
Welcome to Often Imitated, a podcast about remarkable experiences from the past and how they inspire people to create great customer experiences today. This episode is about connecting with your fans, how brands can look into new ways to engage with their communities by offering them one-of-a-kind items. In this episode, we'll hear from Doug Neal, Chief Marketing and Branding Officer at Chronicle, a new marketplace that is offering NFTs for brands and their fans. But first, a word from our sponsors. Often Imitated is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com slash CX. Listomania. The term was coined by German writer Heinrich Heine in 1844. Heine had heard about the hysteria surrounding Liszt's performance in Germany, but it wasn't until he saw Liszt perform at the Italian Opera House that it really sunk in. He described the audience reaction as a veritable insanity. Think 100,000 fans selling out LA's SoFi Stadium for four straight nights of BTS concerts. Now here at Often Imitated, we don't pass judgment on how you choose to engage with your favorite artist or band. And though we don't recommend picking up discarded tobacco butts on the street, what we are interested in is encouraging brands to find new ways to engage with their most passionate fans. And in the digital age, enter NFTs. So what exactly is an NFT? An NFT is a non-fungible token, which is some big words that basically says it is a, a item that cannot be replicated. It is for the purposes of what, what we do at Chronicle and what most of the NFTs that you see, it is really kind of a digital collectible. You can think of it almost as like a trading card in the digital space. But the thing that makes it an NFT, the non-fungibility of it is that there was no other one like it. It is one of a kind. That is Doug Neal. Doug is the chief marketing and branding officer at Chronicle, a new marketplace that is offering NFTs for brands and their fans. Now, we know as CX leaders that the best products have customers that are so loyal that they are super fans. And so it got us thinking, are any brands doing NFTs? To learn more, we sat down with Doug. And Doug knows a thing or two about fandom. He previously worked at Universal Pictures, overseeing the digital marketing campaigns for films like Jurassic World, Ted, and the Fast and Furious franchise. The latter amassed over 60 million fans on Facebook, and Doug believes NFTs can help capture that type of avid fandom. Here he is explaining who Chronicle is and what they're hoping to accomplish in the space. Chronicle was founded to be a marketplace for known brands to be able to offer NFTs. And so we have created a storefront that allows brands to come and basically build out an NFT program that they can offer to their fans that will be easy for fans to access. We built a platform that you sign up with an email registration and you buy NFTs with credit cards. You do not have to have any knowledge nor any cryptocurrency you don't have to have a crypto wallet in order to transact. And so we wanted to make it easy for individuals to be able to purchase NFTs and get into the NFT world. 
but we also wanted to make it easy for brands to be able to present themselves with the types of NFTs that they offer for their brand extensions and do it in a way that they knew that their fans would be able to interact and, and participate in this ecosystem. So that, that's kind of what our, our focus is, is creating a marketplace that makes it easy for brands and their fans to interact and, and to start collecting NFTs. We made an effort to make sure that we are carbon neutral and that we have a sustainable focus to us. There's a lot of backlash in the NFT and the crypto world about the resource heaviness and the intensity behind the blockchain specifically. And, and we're really focused on making sure that we're doing our part so that we're not contributing that way. But in addition, we're also trying to make it easy for anybody to access NFTs and to become part of the, the NFT world. So let's back up. How are NFTs one of a kind? They are each unique. It's, it's like a signed copy of a print. It's one of a kind. And that's what makes it non-fungible. If you think about like money in general, like the quarters are fungible. One quarter replaces another quarter. It doesn't matter whether you, your quarter or my quarter is the one that's going into the vending machine. It's the same thing. The NFTs aren't replaceable. One NFT is not the same as another NFT. They may be the same image, but it's, it's a unique item that has one owner that is authenticated on the blockchain. And so there is always a distinct record of, of that ownership and that matching of the item that is the NFT with whoever it is that owns it. The right clicking and copying and making a, a printing it out on my printer, there could be millions of those, but they're not the one and only that has it and the one and only that is authenticated and verified. And that's what um, an NFT does in terms of kind of creating that true ownership. When I think of NFTs as really just being digital collectibles, I think this is the evolution of collecting. Imagine each NFT is like an original piece of art. Let's say an artist makes 50 pieces of that artwork, and each would have a unique serial number. And so let's say you buy number 48 of 50. It would be written on the canvas. NFTs are no different, except that number is recorded in the blockchain. So why would brands be getting into NFTs? Brands have kind of maxed out what they've been doing with social media, and now they're kind of transferring some of that energy into NFTs because it's really a direct connection to their consumers and, and a way to really have the fans share in the, the experience and the ownership of that brand. And so you know, this is to me is the evolution, one of kind of that fan engagement, but it's also the evolution of collecting for the fan in terms of kind of making it a, a more elevated opportunity for being connected to those brands. And we're not talking small business here. The New York Times says that there were $10 billion in NFT transactions last quarter alone, a 700% increase from the previous quarter. Now, you've probably heard about some of the exorbitant examples. A digital image of a LeBron James dunk went for $387,000. Jack Dorsey's first tweet sold for $2.9 million. Back in March, an online artist by the name of Beeple sold a digital art collage for a record $69 million. To the uninitiated, it can all sound a bit silly. But you know what? I bet you there were plenty of people in 1909 who thought an Onus Wagner baseball card sounded silly. A 2x3 cardboard cutout of the Flying Dutchman's face? 
well, today it's worth about 6.6 million. You know, when you talk about the, the what defines an NFT, scarcity is one of those elements that defines an NFT. Is it, you know, they, they are only minted in a certain quantity. So that has value unto itself. Obviously, the ones that are more rare are going to have an increased value, but you know, it's, it's something that is trackable and, and, and you can see in real time what that value is because of the authentication on the blockchain and, and just the availability of data that's out there. So it, it, it does kind of just change that whole, the, the value of collecting, as it were, and, and how people interact with their collections. So who is Chronicle specifically catering to? Chronicle is a relatively new company in the NFT marketplace ecosystem. We have a focus with our marketplace to offer NFTs for brands and their fans. And and when I say that, I'm referring to known companies that have intellectual property that are brands that we are familiar with and are entering the NFT space. So like we launched Chronicle where we're five weeks into our company and we launched with Paddington Bear. It was our first NFT or one of our first NFTs that we put out there. And Paddington is you know, a 50 plus year old property. And what we did with them is they actually had some limited edition art that had not been seen that had been made by an artist in the 70s named uh, Ivor Wood. And we're taking these paintings that were, were done with Paddington in different locations and turning them into NFTs and, and issuing them kind of on a limited basis. And so they were mining their collection to develop digital collectibles. Contrast that with a program we did with the CW for a show called Penn and Teller's Fool Us. They wanted to create an NFT program that could be marketing for their show. Basically, wanted to be able to give NFTs away so we launched with, when the show re-aired this September, we gave away several thousand free NFTs. Penn & Teller did an exclusive message um, for everybody who got the NFT. Coca-Cola did a, an NFT drop this past summer where they raised, it was like $500,000 for Special Olympics. And it was a one-of-a-kind NFT that they put out there that... I had a couple different iterations of some vintage classic Coke machines. And, and they actually, when you purchased that NFT, you actually got a Coca-Cola refrigerator with Coca-Cola product as well. You're seeing different use cases for it, whether it is truly kind of appealing to fans with something that's a, a, a unique collectible that's going to have value for the fan, whether it's uh, marketing extensions as a way to kind of help promote the the property through the NFT activity that they're creating, whether it's supporting philanthropy or charities that, that they are are doing. And and there are some that it's truly just a new revenue stream. You know, this is it's a licensing deal ultimately. Brands have explored giving gifts to their customers for a long, long time. McDonald's toys or collectibles. The prizes inside of a Cracker Jack box or your favorite cereal. Shoot, I got a sweet boogie board when I was a kid just from collecting Capri Sun box tops. And with NFTs, brands can make that experience digital. And who knows, it might be worth a bunch of money someday. I mean, there are dozens of varieties of McDonald's toys that are worth over $100 each, from Beanie Babies to Minions to Star Wars. 
But how do you even get an NFT? What if you aren't a crypto expert? This is part of what Doug and Chronicle are trying to do. They're on a mission to educate the consumer and bring NFTs to the masses, and which up until now have been a pretty esoteric concept to many, depending on your familiarity with cryptocurrency. For the most part, NFT marketplaces require you to have a crypto wallet. They require some familiarity with cryptocurrencies. Most of the transactions are done with cryptocurrency. The challenge is, is that it can be a little intimidating getting into the crypto space because you hear the stories of the guy who had millions of dollars in his crypto wallet and he lost his, his keywords, the 12 secret words that unlocked his, his wallet. And those stories are true. There are, there, that, there is that reality in terms of the way the security with crypto works and, and what the recovery mechanisms are. And for many individuals, that can be a, a little overwhelming and intimidating. For others, it's a comfort level and, and they are very fluent in cryptocurrency and, and are trading actively and are doing very well. And then using that cryptocurrency to purchase NFTs, which are also growing in value and they're reselling those and making additional returns on their investment. And so there is, an, a, again, an active community that's out there, as, as I said, who are getting into the NFT space and spending the millions of dollars on that Jack Dorsey first tweet or the LeBron James dunk uh, as they are. The challenge is that's a small portion of the overall consumer potential for NFTs. And I think that's where solutions like what Chronicle offers, but also other companies that are getting into it, are looking to expand the opportunity to bring more people into starting their own digital collectibles collection. Chronicle is trying to expand the market, not just for the casual fan, but for CX leaders as well. Because there's an opportunity for us to deepen the relationship with our customers and with those fans. We are at the precipice for kind of just a revolution that's going to take place in, in terms of the collecting world and kind of self-identity and how people are expressing themselves. And, you know, I, I, I see people going to a bar and pulling up their NFT collections and saying, look at what I've got, you know, and, and that becomes kind of their, just an extension of their personality. There's, I, I, I want to flip it as well. And, and that's kind of from the fan perspective, the brand perspective on the other side looks at NFTs as an opportunity to expand a relationship, not only with their fans, but to, to expand how they tell stories about themselves, how they can use NFTs to build up their own brand as a marketing tool. So it's, it's like there's the side of the fan who's the collector, but then there is actually utility for brands in terms of how they are developing their NFT strategies. It's a little bit of like crowdfunding or GoFundMe to some extent and doing it in a a way that it's not just like a public radio giveaway where I'm getting my my token bag or my my hat. It's it's actually I'm getting I'm actually part of the company, part of of this brand, and and I I, I think that really kind of changes that relationship that brands have with their fans and and how they 
one, you know, the, the individuals that are purchasing the NFTs really become their super, super fans. They're their upper echelon of fans because those are very powerful constituents and, and customers that you want to make sure you're keeping happy. I've talked to a couple brands that as, as we're looking at the NFT programs we're putting together, they see it as an opportunity for focus grouping, for actually doing some research. You know, they, they, there's a, a couple packaged goods and consumer product brands that, that we're going to be launching some product lines with, NFTs with, and, and the, the creators behind the brand are looking for the NFT holders to be ones that they can go out to with some new ideas to say, hey, what do you think of this uh, um, new character that I want to introduce into our line? Or what if we introduce this flavor for the beverage that we're going to put out there? And, and, and you know, that's it's like, again, what you can do with these, these super fans becomes a real uh, opportunity for the brands themselves. If there's one thing Doug has made clear, it's that NFTs are not just simply a youth-driven fad. They do carry practical value, and they can be leveraged to enhance community, conduct new product research, and raise money for good causes. But as with many things, Doug's advice is that you need to be strategic about it and have a dedicated team behind you. The conversations that I've had with, with some of these brands and IP holders the ones that I think are going to have the most success are the ones that are thinking about it strategically and not kind of one-off quick hits. Like there, there is an opportunity because of just this run-up in, in interest in, in NFTs for brands to take that, that gold object, the, the shiny object, put it out as an auction item and make $500,000 and get a quick hit. That to me is not a strategy. That's a, a one-off opportunity that maybe they get a PR hit out of it, but but it's not really thinking about how do you use these collectibles as a way to build a relationship with their fans? How do they tell the story of their brand? You really have to have a dedicated team to understand what your what is the conversation about your brand? What is what is what is it that the fans are interested in? Um, and, and then you have to make sure you're updating, communicating, messaging accordingly because, you know, the, your fans are the ones that are going to continue to support you and are going to uh, get excited about that next release. And, and they want to feel like they're part of that world and that they're, they're in the inside group. And uh, again, NFTs, I think, are going to be an evolution to allow brands to do that. But Brands that don't pay attention to their fans and don't offer tools to communicate and uh, message with them are missing out and are losing on the opportunity. What's Doug's final advice? Don't be intimidated by something you might not yet understand. It's more approachable than you realize. I encourage people to explore and experiment a little bit with NFTs, to get out there and, and see what, what is, what's available and kind of check out what they're interested in in terms of the types of brands or intellectual property they follow and, and, and get into the market. NFTs are the next evolution of fan engagement. For the uninitiated, they might come off as intimidating or mystifying. But one-of-a-kind items are always going to hold value to superfans. And whether that's a cigar bud from the 19th century pianist 
or a piece of intellectual property from your favorite 21st century artist or brand. And we as CX leaders are always looking for ways to leverage the passion of our communities. NFTs are opening up new opportunities to do it in never-before-seen ways. And with the right team and strategy, you can enhance community, improve products, or maybe make a little money along the way. And don't just take it from me. Go ask your 13-year-old daughter. She probably knows more about this than any of us. And if all of this means that I can get an NFT of a Corona from Dom and Fast and the Furious, then I'm 100% in, because we're family. And by the way, for those of you who are fans of Often Imitated, we will be turning today's episode into an NFT courtesy of our local NFT expert and co-producer, David. So if anybody's got 69 million lying around, please let us know after the show. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com slash CX. This is your host, Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Thank you for listening to another episode of Often Imitated. If you like what you're hearing, please tell one friend. This podcast was narrated by me, Ian Faison, written by Ben Odo, and produced and edited by Mackie Wilson, Ezra Baker Trupiano, and John Libby. You can learn more about our team at caspianstudios.com. <laughs>